With every game feeling like a must win, the LA Clippers have little to no room for error when it comes to fighting for the seed that they want. And after a loss to the Pelicans, they are now in danger of being in the play-in. Just what went wrong in the Pelicans' loss and how does it change the Clippers' playoff slash play-in possibilities? Going to be talking about it all on today's Locked On Clippers. You are Locked On Clippers, your daily Los Angeles Clippers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, sir. You are locking in with the Clips. Thank you for making Locked On Clippers the first listen of your day, your team every day. I'm your host, Darian Vizirian, my 18th season as a Clipper fan. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Dime Dropper Pod. And of course, subscribe to my own YouTube channel, Dime Dropper, for even more Clipper content. Went live directly after the Pelicans game for a raw reaction. Locked On Clippers today is sponsored by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the best daily fantasy app on the app store right now and locked on clippers is also free and available on all your favorite podcasting platforms including youtube where i want you to sub- if, subscribe first and hit the notification bell and then comment what you honestly think the clippers are going to do in terms of these last three games what is our record going to be in the last three games and what seed do you see us falling in right now but in this episode going to be talking about the pelicans game why i mainly feel like it was the friday game that killed us more than the saturday game And they're going to look at the standings, the big picture, what the final three games look like and how important they are. But let's go with the Pelicans game. So, you know, I'm going to be honest, guys. This Pelicans game, the Clippers didn't even play that terribly to me. The Pels were 6-1 in their last seven games going into this game. Brandon Ingram has been playing really good basketball of late. And honestly, I thought the Clippers were okay. The first quarter was their best quarter against this Pelicans team since I want to say the third quarter of the play-in game they won it 31-21 Russ got off to a great start hit two threes eight points on three for three shooting and three assists in the first quarter Kawhi Leonard was awesome especially as the game went on Clippers are up by 10 after one thought Jonas Valanci I'm sorry Ivica Zubac was amazing but in the second quarter you know it was another game where the Clippers bench just wasn't great and didn't offer that scoring boost that the Clippers needed. And in the second quarter, Brandon Ingram had 13 points or something along those lines, got up to 13 points, I remember, at one point of that second quarter. And the Clippers went into halftime up by one. I still liked what I saw. You know, in this game with Eric Gordon, you're going to get a nine-man rotation from the Clippers with Terrence, Bones, Highland, Mason Plumlee, and Robert Covington. And they staggered Russell Westbrook and Kawhi Leonard in this game. The only thing I'll say about Russ was when he started to see those threes fall, he started forcing things just a little bit, in my opinion, as the game went on, mainly the second quarter. uh, I thought he took some contested jumpers that we just could have done without. 
I'm never a fan of Russell Westbrook taking contested jumpers. If it's a semi-contested mid-range and he's in rhythm, that's probably the only thing I'll say in terms of that conversation. But overall, besides that, if he's taking jumpers, they have to be wide open and they have to be kind of in rhythm off some good ball movement. thought a couple times he came up and shot the ball without moving the ball first, and I always am in favor of ball movement. But they still led by one at halftime, the Clippers, so it was okay. Third quarter, only down by one after the third, and it became the Brandon Ingram and Kawhi Leonard show. But the thing was with the Pelicans, they got a secondary contributor in the second half that was really big scoring the ball, and that was Jonas Valanciunas. And the reason why that was happening was the pick and roll with Brandon Ingram and Jonas Valanciunas was becoming very hard to guard. We even deployed uh, Kawhi Leonard on Brandon Ingram for a lot of that second half, and he couldn't even do anything about it. Brandon Ingram, in my opinion, and I said this last week when we played them, He is extremely underrated, in my opinion, in terms of stars in the league. His game is really perfect for the playoffs because he's good in the half court with that mid-range ability to pull over just about anyone. And when the mid-range is a layup, just like it is for Kawhi, it's almost impossible to go out without a hard double team. Because if you just have a guy sitting behind waiting for the drive, for guys that can just get up and rise get to their spot and just rise over the top, it's not a big deal. And you're seeing that with Kawhi. You know, he was hitting all kinds of mid-range shots, going to his right, going to his left, turnarounds over the left shoulder, nice up and unders, a really good couple of shots with his left hand. So you'll rarely see Kawhi Leonard driving left and finishing with his left hand. But sometimes when he pump fakes and goes up and under, you'll see a little bit of a left-handed floater or left-handed push. So pretty impressive uh, skill there by Kawhi. But no one else really gave him that big of a boost in that third quarter. And the reason why I bring up the pick and roll with Ingram and Valanciunas is that Kawhi's, you know, on his hip. Zubats has to step up, though. You can't just be way, way back and drop way too deep on Brandon Ingram because he's going to step into that mid-range and knock it down all day long. So you got to step up. In that moment, if Zubats is going to contest Ingram's shot... You need someone to help the helper take Jonas Valanciunas' role to the basket and keep him off the glass. And I think that's where the Clippers were struggling, whether it was somebody that was actually rotating and was too small or they were just late on that rotation. We were really struggling to help the helper, and I think Jonas Valanciunas got a couple of push shots, a couple of offensive rebounds, and looked dominant. And I think the casual fan will say Zubats is getting beasted, but no, Zubats has to come step up on those screens. And there was even a time late in that third quarter I think it was 79 to 80 the Clippers are winning. And at this point, they were just exchanging baskets between Brandon Ingram and uh, Kawhi Leonard. But there was one time where I think it was Bones or Russ, one of them actually helped on Zubats, and Ingram made the perfect pass to Dyson Daniels for a right corner three. So it's like you got to give something up if you're not going to switch everything. And obviously, you don't want Zubats guarding Ingram at the top. But that's just, you got to give the credit to Brandon Ingram, the Pelicans, for making the Clippers pay. But going into the fourth quarter, down by one, you still felt like the game was there for the taking. And I thought that Russell Westbrook and the bench in that beginning of the fourth quarter weren't really good enough. They weren't scoring. And the Pelicans, with just a couple of nice plays, a couple of nice shots, which weren't even on terrible defense by the Clippers, go up 99-92, And within two and a half minutes of the fourth quarter, Robert Covington had just checked in at the beginning of the fourth quarter, but within two and a half minutes, Ty Lue says, nah, we can't do this without Kawhi. He's playing too well. And I want to say this as well. When Kawhi Leonard has it going like that, but no one else is really getting shots up, 
when Kawhi comes out of the game, there's a larger chance when that happens that they're out of rhythm. And I'm not, again, blaming Kawhi necessarily. It's not just a Kawhi thing. This is a league, you know, a basketball-wide thing. When one person is getting all the buckets and that person has to go sit, it's very hard for them to pick up the slack when they're not fully in rhythm. And I thought the only guy that really was able to get in a rhythm in the second half was, besides Kawhi, was Bones Highland. I thought in those minutes, like right when Kawhi came back in and right before he came in, I thought Bones was starting to, you know, he had a big corner jumper coming off that timeout, hit a right wing three towards the end of the third quarter, got into the paint a couple of times. But the other guys, you know, Terrence Mann's not a shot creator. Robert Covington only played two and a half minutes in the fourth or in the second half, so you can't even say anything about him. And then Mason Plumley, I mean, same old, same old, just no resistance really at the rim. And I thought he actually had a decent first half, funny enough, one of his better halves in a while. But second half, just not much there. There was one time where Jonas Valanciunas got a rebound over the top of him and scored. But I thought the questionable decision that Ty Lue made, I thought he actually coached a decent game in this one. But Norman Powell was probably, out of all the rotation players for the Clippers, the biggest one playing underneath his expectation. He had a very loose handle in this game. It just felt like he wasn't a safe pair of hands with the ball. Every time he tried to change direction or try to do a move or hit a burst of speed, he would lose the ball. The Clippers had 13 turnovers as a team, and he had six of them. And Norman Powell isn't usually the most high turnover kind of guy, but that absolutely cost the Clippers. And my one gripe with Ty Lue in this one was that he put Norman back in the game for Bones Highland when Bones was playing better. And, you know, that man, Bones, and Westbrook trio has done some really good things for the Clippers lately in terms of speeding up the game and pushing the pace and getting baskets in transition. But we put Norm back in, and he didn't really do anything. It kind of became the Kawhi versus Ingram battle, but the Clippers just could not get enough stops. There was even one point where the Clippers blitzed Brandon Ingram in the pick and roll, and he threw a really long pass to, to Trey Murphy, who immediately threw it to a cutting Larry Nance for a layup. Just really good ball movement by the Pelicans. And overall, the moral of the story is, it was a good duel between Kawhi and Ingram. But the Pelicans just were the slightly better team. They were at home. They're playing really well. And Ingram was making ridiculously tough shots. Like Kawhi was all over him. He was going to his left, hitting faders, coming off screens for jumpers. I mean, long twos, not even just 15-footer regular mid-ranges. Long twos fading to his left. It was crazy, the shots that he was making. It just didn't feel like he was going to be denied. And the Pelicans won the game 122-114. to I think one play, and I really hate to say this, but it is the truth. He only had one turnover in the game, but he was one for five in the fourth quarter. And the turnover that he did have, and I'm talking about Russ, when the Clippers were down by three with around four minutes left, four and a half minutes left, gaining in momentum, and Terrence Mann was trying to get ahead of the pack, but Brandon Ingram was trailing with his long arms, and Russ still threw the pass with three Pelican bodies in front and just Terrence Mann. It was picked off by B.I., who stepped into a mid-range and made the Clippers pay. So mistakes like that, even though it's only one turnover for Russ in the game, which is awesome, and he had nine assists, you know, nine-to-one assist-to-turnover ratio is amazing. Those are the crucial turnovers that everybody that is against Russell Westbrook as a basketball player talks about. They may just show up as one turnover on the stat sheet, but that one turnover, in my opinion, was worse than any turnover in the game because the momentum was huge. It was in the fourth quarter, and you just expect a little bit better from Russ if you are a person like me who defends him. 
if you're not, if you are one of those people that thinks it was a complete mistake to get him, Russell Westbrook isn't a, a very great basketball player in 2023, all that, the Westbrook haters, then yeah, you say, I, I expect nothing less. But the Clippers lose a tough one, 114-122. to 122. They drop to 41-38. and 38. The Pelicans are now 40-38, and 38, only half a game behind the Clips. Going to be going into more detail about the game, reading the box score, some stats, and also why it's not really about that game, but more about the Friday game that makes this so much worse. But before we do that, I got to tell you about prize picks. Obviously, no NBA game on Monday with the national championship, so I'm going to tell you about the picks I have for the national championship on prize picks. Prize picks is the best daily fantasy app out there. It's not gambling. It is fan. They are fantasy entries. And how does it work? All you got to do is pick two to six players and predict if they will score more or less than their prize picks projection. You can win up to two. You can win up to 25 times your money on any entry, and it's not competing against anyone else. It's just you and the projections available. And PrizePix offers projections on any sport that you watch. That could be NBA, NHL, both sports leagues out of those. Both of those sports leagues, the playoffs are coming up. MLB is back in full swing, pun intended. And obviously, the NCAA championship is on Monday, so... I'm going to go with the over on Matt Bradley's rebounds from San Diego State. And as far as points, I am going to go with the over on Jordan Hawkins. I think after seeing his cousin Angel Reese win that championship on Sunday, I think he's going to be motivated in the family bloodline to also put up a good performance. So those are my picks for Monday. Prize picks. All you got to do is download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, Prize Picks will give you $100. If you deposit $50, Prize Picks will give you $50. Don't forget to enter the promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. Okay, let's get right back into this one. The Clippers losing to the Pelicans by 8, 114 to 122. They allowed 67 points in the second half. But the crazy part is, upon rewatch, a lot of it was just incredible offense by the Pelicans. Yes, the Clippers could have played better defense, but without a guy as valuable as Paul George, I mean, it doesn't help the Clippers' defense. Let's just put it that way. And, I mean, when Brandon Ingram's making shots over Kawhi Leonard, your best point-of-attack defender, your best wing defender, perimeter defender... There's not much you can do. And the Pelicans are playing really good basketball of late. But the the Clippers, yes, allowing 67 points in the second half still isn't great. They got outscored 31 to 24 in the fourth quarter, which is not good enough. It just felt like Kawhi was the only one that could make shots consistently in that second half. Kawhi had 40 points, 8 rebounds, 4 assists, only 2 turnovers. 15 for 28 from the field, 4 for 8 from 3, and 6 of 6 from the line in 41 minutes. I mean, that's an amazing stat line. Kawhi was really good in this game. But it brings me to Friday, and that's the bigger issue. Kawhi's clearly not injured. When he's able to play 41 minutes the next day and play at that high a level, you can make an argument that maybe he's only able to do that because he sat out the second half. I don't buy it. I still think Kawhi is an elite NBA athlete that is capable of playing back-to-back games occasionally. I mean, he hasn't done it since before the ACL tear in the first place. And, you know, whether it was the medical staff that ruled him out or, you know, I don't know. I can't imagine that he just didn't play. 
I can't imagine that because everything that he preaches is about winning is everything and the minutes restrictions have cost us games. But one thing is clear. One thing is very clear. Brian Seaman, and this is not because Brian is a liar, but whoever told Brian Seaman to say that the medical staff decided before Friday's game that they were going to sit Kawhi in the second half is bold-faced lying to us. And that's one of the many lies that the Clippers have told their fans for the last three years. No coach, if you watch Ty Lue's post-game press conference, no coach has that kind of body language and is so anti-even you know, answering a question about that conversation if they knew the plan going in. If they knew the plan going in, they would have told the fans. I believe so, at least 15 minutes before the game or something. To spring it upon them in the middle, of the, spring it on them in the middle of the game, and Ty Lue was that angry after it. No chance was it a planned thing. That was either a medical staff call or Uncle Dennis or Kawhi call. I don't know. I have no proof. But regardless of what it is, it is again another example of the team not showing seriousness and prioritization of winning games. And now you can't say it's too early in the season. You can't say we have to wait till the All Star break. This is the nitty gritty with every game counting. And look, now you look silly because you lost on Saturday. Why? Because sometimes you play against good teams that just play a little bit better than you. I can't get mad at the Clippers for the Saturday game. They played pretty decently. They didn't play the best. And they lost to a good team. But I can get mad at you not trying to win a second half of a game. You're only down by four points. And, you know, Eric Gordon didn't play against the Pelicans. And that, what I said about is he injured or because they just listed it as soreness when he didn't play in the second half against Memphis. But clearly he had a little bit of an injury. So get well soon, EJ. I really hope he's okay. But that being said, with Norman Powell back, if Norm just starts playing like the Norm before the injury, Clippers should be fine, and EJ's loss won't be that big a deal. But Norm has not been good so far since he's come back. He's been really trying to force it to get back into form. And this one, 12 points, 5 rebounds, 3 assists. Those stats sound good, but 6 turnovers don't sound good. 4 for 9 from the field sounds solid, but 0 for 4 from deep. The Clippers in this game shot 11 for 29 from the 3-point line, 38%, so not horrendous. 49% from the field, so also not horrendous. And 82.6% from the line which is not horrendous either. But I would be not a great host if I didn't mention that the Pelicans shot 12 more free throws and after the first quarter where the crowd was getting annoyed with the Clippers benefit, you know, getting the benefit of the calls, the next three quarters, the Pelicans got a much better whistle. And, you know, it makes sense to the home team, but second straight game with the Clippers start out getting a better whistle than the other team, and then the crowd gets annoyed, affects the game, and the refs start giving the home team the home-centric whistle. But the Pelicans were just the better team in this game. It wasn't about the whistle. They were just better by a smidge, not by too much. And they made big plays at the end. I think their role players were better overall. I mean, Herb Jones had 12 points, four rebounds, two assists, a steal, and a block. No turnovers. But that doesn't really show the full extent of how well he played because he's guarding Kawhi Leonard. And even though Kawhi was on one, he still tries his best. You know, Trey Murphy, for example, 19 points on eight shot attempts. 4 for 8 from the field, 9 for 11 from the line. The Pelicans are just a far more athletic team than the Clippers. And Nico Batum, you know, another game where you just didn't get much from him. 24 minutes played, only 2 shot attempts, 1 shot made, 2 points, 3 rebounds, 3 assists. I mean, that's not good enough. 24 minutes played. Obviously, the field goal percentage is solid, and his defense is okay for sure. Pretty good. So just need a little bit more. I thought Terrence Mann had a much better game in this one than he did against the Grizzlies. 2 for 3 from deep. Um, but two for six from the field is not very good. His defense in the second half against McCullum was really good, though. 
like was just doing a fantastic job getting over screens and hustling. Six points, four rebounds, three assists for Terrence. But the whole bench of the Clippers, is their plus-minus looks bad. Robert Covington, minus 13. Mason Plumlee, minus 13. Bones Hallen, minus 10. And Terrence, minus 13. So in terms of the plus-minus, besides Westbrook, it was the starters, the, basically the guys that played, you know, the majority of the minutes in the first and third quarters that had the positives in the plus-minus. But... You know, the moral story is the Clippers bench has to be a little bit better. The last two games, they haven't been good enough. And I think Norman Powell coming off the bench is definitely better than him starting. But my main moral of the story in this segment is this. The Clippers made Saturday a must-win game by doing what they did on Friday. And that ultimately is a team that doesn't care about regular season wins. And quite frankly, when I have to make a podcast about every game and all these fans are watching all the games, including me, with an emotional investment and want to win so badly, and, and as the organization countless times this season, you're saying it's not a big deal. Look, it's either championship or bust. If you don't win the championship, you did all this just to annoy the fans for you to lose. There's only one winner at the end of the day. you got to try to build good habits, and it seems like the Clippers just don't understand that part of championship building. And when you, somebody might ask some pushback, so you know more about you, meaning me, know more about building a championship than the Clippers organization the Clippers organization has not proven that they know diddly squat about winning a championship. Because you know why? Because we haven't won. And Ballmer's a young owner in terms of a young owner in this game. And I'm not blaming Ballmer at all. But I'm just saying that the approach is not one of a team that seriously wants to win a championship because they neglect the regular season. They think that everybody's like Kawhi and can just turn it on in the playoffs and as long as we just get him healthy, it's all good. There are 13, 14 other players in this team that need to be playing good basketball in, you know, in good form, rhythmic ball. You know, playing as a team with good continuity and chemistry, and this season has not been that. You can't just tank games like that. Um, it's it's unacceptable, and quite frankly, it's like, it almost makes me think, I don't want this to happen because I obviously want the Clippers to win every game, but you don't deserve to have anything good happen in the playoffs when you play like this, when you do these kind of things, when you take that approach. But coming up, speaking of which, got to look at the playoff picture. It's looking really scary for the Clippers, which is three games left. Can they find themselves in play-in territory? Going to be talking about that coming up. But before we do that, I got to tell you about Built Bar, and I'm still fiending a Built Bar. I haven't gotten one, and the Built March Badness bracket is here. We know you have a favorite bar or puff, and now's your, your time to make it count. Go to BuiltMarchMadness.com to vote for your favorites. You know I'll be voting for the Raspberry Bar because I love the fruit and chocolate, you know, tandem. It's like Kobe and Shaq, but maybe even better. And if you want the Clippers to win, then you'll be voting for that bar too. Support your team, support your bar or puff. And when you vote for your favorite bar or puff, you'll be entered into a drawing where 50 lucky Locked On listeners will get a free box of Built. Not only that, but one Locked On fan will win a 12-month subscription to Built to have Built's best bars or puffs delivered monthly straight to your door. you got to try Built. Built, the best protein bar ever. Seriously, they're so amazing, you won't think they're good for you. What makes Built Bars and Puffs so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate, so they taste like a candy bar. And what makes them so good besides that is that they have protein as well. Run to BuiltMarchMadness.com right now to vote for your favorite bar or puff and pick up a box while you're there. You can vote every day in March, so hop in and support your pick. All right. So looking at this game, the box score... 
Russell Westbrook had 24 points, three rebounds, nine assists. As I said earlier, only one turnover, nine for 18 from the field and three for six from deep. So love those stats in 40 minutes. However, in the second half, you just didn't get enough from him. You really didn't. And it was another one of those tale of two halves games from Russ. If it's Zubats, I thought he was really solid, but he could have done a better job on the glass. 15 points, six rebounds, got in a little bit of foul trouble, and it hurt us. Four fouls for him, five for six on the field, uh, and 30 minutes of play. Robert Covington, just four points on one of four shooting in 16 minutes. Mason Plumley, six points and five rebounds on three for five shooting in 18 minutes. And Bones Highland, five points on two for seven shooting and one for four from deep. So a so-so game for Bones, but I did like what he was doing in the second half more than Norm. Brandon Ingram had 36 points and eight assists on 13 for 23 shooting, and he didn't even shoot one three. So amazing performance by him. Jonas Valanciunas, 23 and 12 for the Pels. So now let's look at the standings. The Clippers have three games left, and they all are massive. The Lakers are playing really good basketball of late. They've won three games in a row. They're 7-3 and three in their last 10, and they are half a game behind the Clippers now. The Lakers, however, do have a back-to-back before that Wednesday game, which will be absolutely massive, and that comes at Utah. So they have a chance to basically eliminate Utah from playing contention, and who knows who Utah is going to play in that game. But the Jazz, I mean, it's, it's never an easy place to play, Utah. And the Jazz have not been playing good basketball lately. They lost four games in a row, one at San Antonio, and then have lost their last two. So they've lost six out of their last seven games. It's not a very good time to be playing against the Lakers <laughs> because Anthony Davis is playing such good basketball. They've added so much depth to their roster, size to the roster. Now LeBron's back. D'Angelo Russell's playing really good basketball. It's going to be a dangerous game. And look, I'm going to be honest, Clipper Nation, I'm not feeling very good about it because the Clippers aren't playing very good basketball. The Lakers are playing good basketball, and the vibes just seem a lot better over there. It's exactly a 180 from the last year or two, especially last year and the beginning of this season, and it just feels like they're due. But here's the bright side. The Lakers are on a back-to-back. The Clippers still have home court, so it's still going to be at least 40% Clipper fans. And if there's any team that we know that the Clippers show up for, it's the Lakers. So hopefully Kawhi and Russ have a good game, but you hopefully will see a good three-point shooting night from the rest of the guys and just good defense. But Anthony Davis has really been on a tear. Zubats does play against him pretty decently, but we'll see how it goes. It's going to be such a massive game. If the Clippers lose that one, then you now have more losses than the Lakers and the Warriors, and now you're in, and the Pelicans only have 38 losses as well. So you got four teams in the West right now with 38 losses: the Clippers, the Warriors, the Lakers, and the Pelicans. The Timberwolves are at 40 losses, and the Thunder are at 41. Mavericks at 42 are in danger of not even making it at this point. They're one full game behind the Thunder, and they don't have the tiebreaker. So our good old friends in Dallas that we played two years out of the last three in the play, or two out of the last four, I guess, after this year. Um, are in danger of not making the playoffs. But the Clippers, if they beat the Lakers, they basically ensure that they'll be in the playoffs. But losing that game and you're playing with fire, I think the Clippers' only real guaranteed win, and I want to say guaranteed because Dame's not going to play, is that Blazers game. I'll be in attendance. It'll be the home closer. So there's going to be a lot of energy in the building. But at Phoenix, I mean, if the Suns don't rest players, and I wouldn't rest if I were them just because you got to get as many reps as you can with KD, Booker, and this new team. 
But if they rest guys, that's a good shot for the Clippers to get an easy win in Phoenix at the end. And they will have the fourth seed clinched. There's no doubt in my mind that they will by the time that game comes around. But these next three games are huge. If the Clippers can win those final three, go into the playoffs with some momentum, that's solid. But it is getting dangerous. The Lakers are now on the Clippers' tail. And I'm telling you what, this is a massive game for Russ. There's going to be an insane magnifying glass on him. I wouldn't be surprised if the Laker contingent of the crowd boos him on every touch. It's a huge game for him. We're going to see how it goes. And if the Lakers win, it will be as loud for a Laker win over the Clippers. Maybe since, I'd say, I want to say ever, but definitely since the, you know, last time they beat us, which was that game. Actually, no, the last time they beat us was that bubble opener. But the one that really was a meaningful one was the one before the bubble um, on ABC on that Sunday where the Lakers had beaten the Bucks and the, and the Clippers on back-to-back games. And they really looked like the favorites going into the playoffs for the season shut down. But if the Laker fans win and break this drought with the way that they're going and the whole Russ Westbrook angle, it's going to be really tough. It's going to be really tough. But I'll be still having the content here, and I will still be trying to post episodes. Also, an episode this week has got to come on the collective bargaining agreement, the new one, and how it affects the Clippers. But I also want to understand more of that collective bargaining agreement before I do an episode on it. But thanks for making Locked On Clippers your first listen today. Now make your second listen, Game to Game NBA. Every moment, every top performance, every result. Locked On Game to Game covers every game from across the NBA with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. Follow Game to Game on Locked On NBA, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at DimeDropperPod. Subscribe to my own YouTube channel, DimeDropper, for even more Clipper content. You can follow... I'm sorry, you can subscribe to Locked On Clippers on YouTube and hit the notification bell and comment what the Clippers record will be in these last three games and where you think they're going to finish seeding-wise. The age-old proverb continues as it gets really scary now for what's been a really bad season for the Clippers. No sugarcoating it. Huge game. We'll have more episodes here on Locked On Clippers. The age-old proverb continues. Go Clippers.